we are in week two of our fall series by which we are on a journey, searching through the Old Testament story, seeking to answer the question, how does God speak to us? Last week, we were in Genesis chapter one, the creation story, where we learned that God is a God that speaks. God created the heaven and earth, and he saw that it was void and without form, and darkness filled the space. In other words, there were, it was chaotic. And God spoke into the midst of the chaos, order. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And then God, with his mighty voice, said, separated the waters and created the sky and created the seas. And then he spoke to the land and said, bring forth grass and herbs and seeds and fruit trees and flowers that so beautifully provide for our landscape. And he called the sun and moon to the ministry of providing sun, to providing light. He called the birds and the winged creatures to fill the sky and the sea creatures and fish to fill the waters. He called the animals and the beasts to fill the land. He called upon himself and said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. God is a God that spoke life. And he called them to be fruitful and multiply. However, today's narrative here in Genesis 22 gives witness to a different type of call. God called Abraham not to produce life, but to take life. And to think in the plot, he's calling him to sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering. Now I must admit as a Christian, as a pastor, as a sane human being, that this story is difficult, which is why I think that Ricky and Terry conspired to have me to preach this particular <laughs> section. Because it's hard to hear and it's troubling to think about. I mean, just, just a side note, I believe that there is something in the water here at St. Luke's. I mean, every email that I receive, it seems like somebody has given life to a beautiful bundle of joy. I mean, it's to the point that Kat and I, my wife and I, have banned drinking the water here for fear, <laughs> for fear that she would leave here pregnant. But I asked the question, as parents, how many of you would take that little person onto a mountain and sacrifice that person unto God? Don't even answer. I don't think any of us would because it's terrible. It's crazy. There's no logic in it. 
I mean, when I think about it, it makes my skin crawl. I mean, just think about today and what it would look like in today's environment. Hundred-year-old man gets 90-year-old woman pregnant and sacrifices teenage boy. And BTW, by the way, it was because God said it. Could you imagine the CNN post and the Facebook post and how people would be bashing and, and, and calling them crazy? But you know, I think as, as Christians, when we read this story, we tend to jump to the part where it's all okay. We tend to jump to the part at the end where Isaac is not offered up as a sacrifice. And I think there's a tendency in the church to act like everything is just okay. We, we want to make things pretty. We want to ignore the harsh and the difficult. We read this story and we praise God who provides. You know, it's great that God provided a ram instead of asking Isaac, asking for Isaac's life in the end. But I think sometimes we just sit comfortably with our 2020 hindsight vision, knowing that Isaac did not die. And we walk and talk about how wonderful it is that Abraham was willing to obey God, and we preach and teach that we, like Abraham, will be willing to give up whatever we hold most dear to us. But I must confess, and I may be confessing for all of us, that yes, we are willing to give our whole heart to God. And we pray and hope that, like Abraham, we are willing to give without actually changing. You see, we know that God loves us. So we convince ourselves that we are perfectly safe as long as we merely are willing to sacrifice. God just wants us to be willing, right? God doesn't actually want us to give things up. And yet, this story, this narrative, is anything but safe. When, when you lean into the details, it's actually painful. When God says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, those are scary words. Because you see what happens next is God calls him to do something difficult. God calls Abraham to something scary. And I'll be 100% honest with you that when God calls, and I say when, not if, and you respond, here I am, or if the church responds, here we are, we are your church, God is going to call this church to the mission fields. He's going to call you to areas of devastation like Houston. He's going to call you to create teams to support a school system that is failing. 
He's going to call you to confront racism and bigotry. He's going to call you to look injustice in the eye and say no more. Now, there may be people here within our congregation that feel called to ministry. And I'll be honest, if you answer, it may be scary. It's not going to be safe. But I think, in fact, I know that that's a good thing. Because I think that when we are safe and comfortable, we tend to sit. But it's when we're uncomfortable, when we are wrestling with stories in the scripture, when we are wrestling with who God is, it is in those moments that our faith grows. It's those moments when we ask questions. It not, it's not that we are doubting, doubting our faith. It's that we are truly, courageously seeking to know who God is. And the narrative said that Abraham says, here I am. Then, call, then God calls him into something terrible. Now, I find it interesting that Abraham does not protest God. I find it interesting that he is simply silent. When, when we think of him, we think of him as a perfectly faithful, but I wonder, was he doubting? Was he questioning? Was he angry? Now, I do know that he certainly did not say, yes, God, that's a good idea. But what we do know is he woke up the next morning and he cut wood. And it's agonizing and it's painful detail. Now, if you know, if you read the scriptures, you know that sometimes Scriptures will go by fast. They will go rush through generations and generations. But these 14 verses, it's painfully agonizing and slow to detail. He got up. He cuts wood. Now, I don't know if Abraham is like me. But when I have things on my mind, when I have questions and I'm, and I'm in doubt or, or I just need to blow off some steam, I tend to go out and, and take a run or, or to work out in the gym. And I wonder if Abraham is like this. I wonder if this physical activity of cutting wood is his opportunity to think. And I wonder while he's thinking, is he, is he angry? Or is he thinking about the time God, about the many times that God has provided for him before? Is he thinking about the promise when God said, you and Sarah will have a child. And God brought life through a once dead womb. Was he trusting God's word? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless your son. Through him, 
his descendants will be more than the sands could count. Was he rehearsing God's faithfulness in his mind as he chopped wood, burying his axe? In the grain. What was he thinking? And he was silent. And if you notice that not only Abraham is silent, but God is silent too. You know, a gospel artist by the name of Dunny McClurkin once said, uh, as he was speaking as God's voice, he once said, If I call you and you don't fear me near you, would you trust me? You know, Barbara Brown Taylor has a book titled When God is Silent. And she points to the fact that God was silent as Abraham saddled his donkey and went away with his servants. He was silent with his child. When the party set out, God was silent. And for three days, There was no voice of God. I wonder what were the thoughts of Abraham during that journey. And if Isaac was like any other child, I can only imagine the questions that Isaac had for him. And when they get to the place, the only voice Abraham heard was his own, saying, Stay here with the donkey, he told his servants. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. Now, I wonder if this is the voice of a man that is confident. Is this a voice of a man that has faith? Or is he doing what those say? Is he faking it until he makes it? And then they came to the place where God had shown him, but there was no lamb. Even though that Isaac said, Father, and Abraham said, here I am. Isaac said, Father, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide. I mean, what else could he say to his son? And when they got there, there was no lamb. There was also no word from God. The only sound that you would hear is the loud breath as he squatted and as he lifted the stones for the altar. One, by one, building. And Isaac, too, was silent as he watched his father work, first making a table out of the rocks and laying the firewood, building the fire that would kill his son, the same firewood that Isaac himself carried up the mountain Let's just pause for a minute 
And let's just look at that image. The image of a boy carrying the burden of his own demise. And I can say that we can preach in the church that it's a lot like what we look like carrying our own sin. Carrying the burden that will, that will destroy us in the very end. But Abraham slowly builds the fire. And I wonder if what he was really doing in that time of silence, was he really just listening, like desperately wanting to hear a word from God? I mean, listening so hard that his brain hurt, that his chest ached. But when there was no reason to stall any longer, And yet God still hadn't spoken. And there was silence. Abraham was silent. Isaac was silent. God was silent. Not one word. And the scripture tells us that he took the knife to kill his son. Whew. that's a heavy moment. That's a heavy moment, not only in Scripture, but I think it's difficult because the Scriptures are brutally honest about the fact that there are difficult times in our lives. There are going to be times in your life when you are going to feel like you haven't heard a word from God. There are going to be times in our lives when it seems scary and that we're standing and doing and moving, but yet we still haven't heard a word. And you're moving in a direction and, and it's scary and it's aching and, and you're just craving for God to send a word. Please, God, tell me to stop. But there's no word. Now, there are moments when God delivers us from our struggle, but then there are moments when we struggle and God says, my grace is sufficient. And you know, I do know, and I just want to apologize up front, I do know that I could have presented this scripture, this passage, all neat and cute, and gave it to you in a little bowl and said, hey, this is how life is, and we're all happy, and yes, he uh, was a faithful man of God. But I think that we are called to wrestle with these beautifully tragic and brutal and honest scriptures because life itself is beautiful and tragic and, and honest. But I do know that even in that beautiful and tragic and honest moments, that we have a God, and that God walks with us step by step. And it's that same God that spoke a word to Abraham. It's the same God that laid in the tomb for three days. 
just as Abraham journeyed for three days. Now, I don't want to be the one that always points the scriptures to Jesus and the cross. But in this story, I think we just have to, have to look at it. We can't ignore it. I mean, this is, this is a story that, of Abraham who praises God for sending the word. He's praising God for not giving up his beloved son. And when you think about it, we have a God that in John 3.16 says that he for so loved us that he gave up his beloved son. And yet, in that story, Jesus was not spared. The Son of God was killed on a cross. So when I look at this story, and I realize that Jesus is not Isaac. Jesus is the ram caught in the thicket. Jesus is the one that was slain on behalf of others. And I have to be honest, I think that we are Isaac. We go to worship with the burdens on our back. And yet God provides a lamb that frees us. He provides a word that sets us free. It's powerful to think about. that God would have his son, the living word, to speak into a hopeless situation that would set the captives free. That God would not only call us to hard things, but he sees us through. And he also provides Praise God for the freedom that he's granted us. Praise God for sending us a word. Praise God for always being true to his word. Amen.